0: All right, everybody. Welcome to episode number fifteen of the Movement as Medicine podcast. Uh, I am your host Kevin Carr. I almost forgot what my name was, um, and I'm here with my lovely co-host <laughs> Brendan Rerick on a
1: Sunday evening for me, Sunday afternoon for him. And uh, how you doing today, Brendan? Great. I'm, I have a lot more energy than I did the last time we or the last time we did this on Monday. Well, I that's because you took I a nap tired. right before this. You told me i did take a nap a good it was a good 45 minute nap that's so. the
0: optimal map nap length the 30 to 45 minute nap once you start yeah. to go hour longer like you're really committing and for you at about four o'clock in the afternoon but you gotta stay up and watch the celtics tonight so this is that's true actually good and uh love the energy
1: and rain's been staying up later so we built lego sure. we built her harry potter lego I built the train and she's building the castle. So we stayed up till like almost 10 o'clock last night. That's, building. that's much past bedtime, I believe. It is. But when you're building Legos, there is no bedtime.
0: That's true. That's true. Uh, Legos are the best. I think as an adult playing with kids, I don't think there's probably a better uh, toy or play choice. No. Than, um, yes, Legos. it is
1: definitely my favorite activity. There's a huge... Um, like now following now, or huge uh, uptick of adults and Lego now creating adult sets for adults only, which is pretty cool. It's great. Started get get into the Lego community here. <laughs> um, That's what happens when you turn right. thirty. <laughs> turn thirty, you're now yeah, he's, part of the Lego community.
0: One minute you're out at the bars partying, you know, talking to girls, out with your friends, and then all of a sudden life comes at you fast. You're doing Legos in your living room, but yeah, uh, drinking
1: a glass of that's wine. That's the way it is. Two glasses of wine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. So this week we got a great question, um, from a gentleman named uh, Ethan Duff. So thank you, Ethan, for sending in the question. Um, and he asked specifically about how we program for adults and adult groups. I think probably in response to I posted a video with my adult group, my 6:45 a.m. uh the big dogs as we call them, uh, at 6:45 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday group. Um and I think he kind of responded to that just asking about how we program for adult groups. Um kind of how we look at building the program, how we progress the program, and then how do we kind of develop devout like really good clients i think i posted my the group that i have um kind of some background most of them have been in the group for years now uh they're pretty uh consistent group of you know real consistent about six of them but we might range from you know 10 to I actually had 12 on friday this past week uh people who kind of pass between different groups um and kind of how do you get that like? devout adult group following that really kind of takes to training and, and wants to be there consistently. And so his question really, I think for at MBSC, how do we program for adult groups? And then also for you, how do you build training for your adults out at, uh, train smarter and harder? So I think that's something we can probably talk a, a, a whole hour and then some about, and so mm-hmm. we can kind of get right into it. Um, and, and I know you don't really have groups, um, in your garage, but you do have very consistent personal training clients. So, I mean, we kind of kind of looking at it from slightly different angles, but I think probably very similar philosophies.
1: Yeah, I did groups at MBSC for the five years that I was there. So uh, I'm very familiar with the five-plus type training and programming. Uh, But, yeah, here at Train Smarter, we mostly do – it's one-on-one. I do have a couple – Spouses that work out together, small groups of athletes, but really nothing over three. Three is the largest group I do here. But uh, yes, the philosophy is similar. It's just the methods change a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I think with adult groups specifically, one thing you have to realize is when you own a training facility, right, these people are paying for different price points, right, and with that price point comes different personalization and different programming strategies, right? If you have people who are paying for a one-on-one, the highest price point, they're gonna have a full assessment, a full intake. Um, the whole first session will probably be us going through their goals, uh, going through a movement assessment, figuring out where they're at, and then building a program based around that. Same, similar situation if someone's paying for semi-private where maybe there's two or three friends working privately with a trainer will kind of build a program directly around their goals. And again, the price point is going to reflect that. But a vast majority of the people that we work with at MBSC are group training clients. And so this would be the lowest price point. And so again, the programming strategy is going to reflect that. These people may have done a one-on-one prior as an intake. If they're a new client, and aren't familiar, we might recommend them to do a couple one-on-one sessions or an assessment beforehand, but maybe not. Also, they might just come into the group cold, and so what we need to do is to build a programming system that can take people off the street, who maybe have never done anything like we do at MVSC before, and never even really exercised before, and be able to integrate them into the overall population uh, that might be really diverse—people who have been training for you know ten plus years with us, people who might be have injuries, people who might be former athletes, and then someone who's brand new. So you have to be able to build a system that is malleable and kind of generalized, especially to begin with. And then as you develop relationships with people in your group and within the training program, you can start to narrow around their specific interests, their specific goals, their specific limitations. And that's why we have a system like CFSC or a programming system and a progression regression model that allows us to do that. And so I think sometimes it can be difficult for personal training, personal trainers who used to small settings, one-on-ones, two-on-ones to then go into a group setting, all of a sudden, it's like there's way too much going on around them or they can't manage, um, a large group of people in an efficient, safe and effective manner. Right. And so, like you, like you said, you kind of went the opposite way. You went from a lot of groups to one-on-ones, which I think Mm -hmm. you probably feel like that's real easy, right. As opposed to going the other direction.
1: Yes. Well. And there's a business principle that your systems are operating, your operation changes in multiples of three and 10. So one-on-one pretty simple. That's one system. That's one operation It's just me. Then we get our first multiple of three. So when I have three people, my systems need to change. And then when I get to 10, my systems need to change again. So that's going to be the MBSC system. And when I get to 30. Then my systems need to change when I get to one hundred. I hope. I mean, I'm doing a hundred. I'm working with a hundred athletes at the high school I'm working with, so my systems there need to be different. Um, so I guess I'm working in either the one-on-one or the hundred-plus. <laughs> the two now. extremes. The two extremes, <laughs> uh, and you're working there in between. So yeah, the the I love that principle because. The systems that you use for one, one one-on-one are not going to work for three. And the systems you work with, with three people is not going to work for 10. Uh, and as you mentioned, that's what led to certified functional strength coach is the multiples of 10 or three plus really. Um, and the, it's not that the full that you can't use the same philosophy for everybody but as you mentioned, the methods need to change and the way we program uh, is a little bit different um, than one-on-one. So I don't know, do you wanna get into the programming aspect of things to start? Yeah, so I wanted to kind of talk
0: about that first, just so people, if they're not as familiar with group training, right, there's probably some smaller uh, personal trainers, you know, people who work in one-on-ones mostly listen to it. I think when they see, this is what a lot of debate on social media comes from, when they see programming, I'm like, oh, that's great. but. If can you do it with 10 people? Can you coach it with Uh 10 people? I mean, all of our decisions when it comes to staff meetings, when we're talking about program, like we've been going through the summer program for the athletes the last couple of weeks and the question always comes back to, okay, can we coach it or do we have the equipment or do we have the space? Um, Uh and so that's always the number one thing. And then with that safety, because something might be safe in a one-on-one situation where you can give something a lot of attention, but might not be safe where you're like, oh, I have 10 people. Doing it at once. And so, number one, that's got to be the first thing that you think about um, from there. And I think that goes perfectly into the first thing about programming that I want to talk about. um, And that is introductory program uh, for groups. Mm -hmm. Because, like I mentioned, the price point and the volume of people is going to dictate how you program. In a one on one, everyone gets a thorough intake and uh, assessment. And we have a very clear idea on day one, how somebody moves, what they can tolerate, what their history is, and what their potential capacity might be. But in a group setting, it's not necessarily gonna be that way. And that's okay because that's what they're signing up for. But we need to build a system that can take that person in safely and put them into a bucket. Uh, You're always talking about filling buckets. Um, That is gonna be safe and effective for them. And then we can slowly move them along. Right, because we don't have time to do a full assessment, um, nor are they paying for that. And so, what what we've done um, is kind of build this like eight week or six week—I uh, think it's eight weeks now—because the adult group adult programs four weeks of time instead of three. Um, eight week intro program for our adults that essentially sets guardrails, provides an assessment, and gives them all the introductory patterns that are going to match up well. With what the rest of the group is doing, because we'll get to this in a little bit, but the adult groups are on like a 12 month rotating program, kind of with a similar structure month to month, but with different exercises or volumes or intensities subbed in. And then there's going to be an introductory program that is going to introduce them to all the basics, squatting, hinging, pushing, pulling, low impact things. And then we can figure out, okay, where do we start to progress them? Right, um, and that is really a kind of where everything starts out for us in a, a, a
1: introductory programming setting for a group. So it's one program that is then adapted to the individual. It is not. So, for example, we have we're just going to use we'll use the number ten when we talk about hmm. groups here, just for simplicity reasons. But it's not ten individualized programs, right? Mm -hmm. So if they want an individualized program, you pay the higher price point for that, which we would call personal training. Um, You might have a semi-private model where you're maybe up to four people where you may write four programs. I would still go the the, what we call CFSC, but the adaptable program route where I write one program and then adapt the program for them. So as you're saying, the first introductory program has goblet squat, TRX row, single leg reach, and you're going to progress or regress or give them challenges and options. As my daughter would say, you give them challenges if they need it, or you give them options if they're unable to do what is written on that introductory program.
0: I like that. Yeah. And so like, for instance, if you look at someone, I had a new person this week, a trial person came in on Friday and he walks into, I had a group of 12 people. He was the 12th and a bunch of of other 11 have all been here for years. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, here we go. And, uh, but they, the nice thing is they all kind of know what they're doing. So in the first block, They were all doing swings. And so I'm like, oh, this guy has never done any of this before. So I'm not going to have him swing. And so we just did hip hinges, right? It's it's still a swing, a swing, a deadlift, a hinge, a bridge. It's all the same hip dominant pattern. And so he was, you know, in the warmup while they were doing hurdle jumps, he was doing a box jump on a little box, same pattern, same program, different different progression or regression. Uh, when they were doing swings, like I said, he was, uh, hinging. When they were doing single leg squats, he was doing a split squat. And so um, our intro program is built in a way that it's just a regressed version of what the rest of the group is doing, and they're at a higher volume. They were actually doing a density circuit. So it was like, hey, as many rounds as they could in 12 minutes. I'm like, hey, you're doing two sets of five. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And that was fine because for him, I didn't want him limping out of there. I don't want to come see him walking on Monday being like, oh, everything hurts because I got plenty of time to make it uh more difficult for him because ideally he'll be a long-term client and so what you should do if you are going to plan groups like brendan said is don't make 10 individual programs make one program and then write regressed versions and progressed versions so you can accommodate the wide range of people who are in there and don't worry about the people on the far ends of the bell curve right the really, really regressed person that might be someone who you're like, Hey, I really think that you need to do personal training for a little bit. And we have those people. I'm like, Hey, we can't put this person into a group or that person who like really loves to train and they're going to be bored or they're like, Hey, I really want to do X, Y, Z. Hey, you probably need personal training as well. Right. Worry about the, the middle part of the bell curve. What, what do we always say? Brendan, what's
1: our number one rule, uh, the 80, 20, correct. You beat me to it. I was going to say, you're, you're programming for the 80% of people. So you want to cast a really big net to catch all the, catch as many fish as you possibly can, but you won't catch the fish, the little fish and the big fish. You'll just catch a lot of the middle (laughs) fish, um, which is what we're trying to do. Again, that's the price point they're paying for it. They're, they're paying $20 per workout. That's the nature of group training. If they want to pay a hundred dollars workout. And I'm programming them like that. Well, I'm not a very good trainer. I I need, I can be more specific. I can provide more value when it's an individual. Um, And on what you said, so what you mentioned that you had a group of, of 11 people who are, or returners or people who have been coming for a long time and you have one person's new. So what a, a program That has regressions and progressions built into it. It makes sure that nobody gets left behind, right? So that's the new person. They will not be left behind because there is a, and, and then the people who are, have been coming won't get held back, right? So because you have those progressions and everybody has progressed safely, so you don't have a lot of, you don't have really any injuries at all. And occasionally, there's an injury you can't avoid, but for the most part, for the amount of volume that we do at MBSC, we didn't have a lot of injuries. So, as you use the example of kettlebell swing, the people who aren't being held back, so the people the the eleven returners are doing kettlebell swing. And the way we challenge kettlebell swing is we go heavier, we do more volume, we do more swings, uh, we mm-hmm. do a one arm swing, right? So we have a lot of progressions for that. Now, the person who is new, who we don't want to leave behind, but they're still within the group, they're going to deadlift, hinge, or bridge, which are all the precursors or the regressions of kettlebell swing. So they still fit within inside the group. They can still do the pattern of hinging. It's just what version are they going to do? And it's a really quick switch uh, for the coach. If they have something like this built out and that's, this is all built into that one program you made. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to write 12 programs or write a new program for this brand new individual, you're just taking what you're already doing that day and modifying it for the individual. And again, you can modify that to be harder or to be more challenging, or you can modify that to be easier with a regressed version of whatever it is everyone else is doing. Yep, yeah. And I think,
0: too, part of one thing that I realized, too, is when you have new people come into the gym, you you just kind of take for granted our programming structure, like how we look at building an exercise program, like kind of our culture and our philosophy, like the overall arching theme to training, uh, where most people, like, have no idea. When they first walk into the gym and they're like, uh, where do I start, Right. When you have everybody in a group setting and you have like an intro program and they're probably doing a little bit less volume it helps them kind of understand the overall training philosophy and culture of the gym and the people who are already in the group those 11 others that were there already know that and they've seen enough newbies come in before so they can kind of keep going on their own i can just kind of give them some instruction Whereas I could be like, hey, after the foam rolling, we go over here to the warm up, um, and then after the warm up, we go and throw the med balls, and then they're like, where do I go off the med balls? I'm like, then we go in the other room, and they start to figure out like, okay, this is where I go. This is the order of operations. Half of the new person's experience is just finding their way around the facility and understanding, okay, after I lift weights in this pod, I go to this pod, then I go to this pod, mm-hmm. and like you're kind of as they're going with the group, like they're kind of going with the herd, and like getting them to figure that out that is even a big part of the first couple sessions. Um, and if you kind of keep them with the group rather than trying to give them an individualization, then they learn that whole system a little bit quicker. And then they kind of be enveloped into the group, uh, in the community a little bit quicker, um, which is going to help keep them there and make them want to be a part of it. Right? Like this guy, by the end of it was like shoot the shit while everyone was doing conditioning and like, I'm like, okay, he's already like talking everybody in the group and like, kind of, kind of following along with everyone. He's gonna stick, right? Because it's right. still a sales process, especially for new people. You want them to feel like they're part of it, right? And so if you can easily have programs that run parallel to one another, um, then these people don't feel like they're like the one black sheep in the group off to the side. They feel like they're with everybody else and they're part of the community. Um, and hopefully that helps them stick. And that's really what we're trying to do from a training standpoint and a business standpoint. Right.
1: Right. Well, and, and the worst thing you could do is be like, ah, yeah, you're just going to go over here and ride the bike. Well, we're all over here doing this because, I can't help you today. Uh, right? Or hey, uh... they're
0: like the guy outside the window at the party, like looking
1: in, wishing <laughs> yeah, that they, they were in there, to be with there. Everybody, yeah. Um, the and what you're talking about is is our recipe. So mm-hmm. it's just like cooking. You the first time you try to cook something, you're like, ah, what? I, what do I need? Uh, how much of this? What's what is an ounce? What is What's a tablespoon? What's a teaspoon with What's the difference? Mm-hmm. Of, right. Like, how do I navigate myself around the kitchen here? But once you bake, Jenny just made, Jenny and Rain just made banana bread. So once you make a couple banana breads, yeah, I know, mm-hmm. I, I had a, I woke up from my nap and had three slices of banana
0: bread. Oh, um, guess what? My mother-in-law's upstairs. and I'm going to go make a request after this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but once you've done that a few times, you don't necessarily need to get the book out. You don't need to... Go find all of those things. Rain, I'm on a podcast right now. Sorry, babe. Yeah, you don't have to go (laughs) find all those things. And now like you're saying, this individual comes in and they like know where to go. They know what they know how the process is gonna work, what we're gonna do that day in a general sense. And to that point, the first four to five workouts don't have to be these crazy intense, let's make you really sore uh let's get you indoctrinated and crush you type workouts like let's just let's just enjoy the day let's enjoy the process let's Mm -hmm. let's learn and and understand what it is we do here and how we operate and then let us learn a little bit about you and who you are and how you work and and it doesn't have to be this exact program like if they miss a few sets because the group is moving on not a big deal right uh, if they Right, if they they can't do X Y Z that day, or they have an injury that you need a little bit more time to think about, you say, "Hey, just let's just wait a few minutes. Uh, we'll work on this the next time you're in here. For right now, I want you to just take a little break. Maybe introduce yourself to the group or go take a seat in the lobby for a second, and then I'll come get you for the next density circuit or whatever it is." Yeah, um, yeah,
0: I think that's a good point, a really good point because I think sometimes it trainers have such a, such a sense of urgency around providing a training stimulus. But the number one thing right. you should be thinking about early is getting them to feel comfortable, getting them to feel like they're part of the group, getting them to feel like they're, they want to be there again. And cause you can always just keep training them. Right. But you, if you right. screw up the relationship piece early on or that part, the, the uh, in, integrating them into the training early on, then they might not come back
1: right you you want to be thinking about 12 workouts from now so on day one i'm thinking about workout number 12 and that's how i'm going to actually i'm going to play my i'm going to play my hand uh or my that's my sales pitch right like it's like i i act as if you are going to come back in on thursday Mm -hmm. so it's tuesday like hey when you come back in on thursday we'll do this and you might feel a little bit sore but that's okay because if we do this for the next two weeks and the next 12 sessions and i keep talking like that like we're like this is a long term thing on day one uh and then at the end of course i leave it up to them like hey if you want to continue but i act as if this is a client for the next 12 sessions and i program as if and so for example like we you're talking about group training one-on-one training the first session i don't really do i don't do ai don't do a functional movement screen i don't do it's really oh. like a meet and greet like hey like come to the gym Do, like you need to know where to park outside yeah. of the gym because i live in a residential area and you can't just park wherever you want uh this is the like this is the gym this is who i am welcome i mean they are nervous i'm a little bit nervous because uh, I, I don't know what i'm walking into right i mean i might have some information speaking to them beforehand uh, but the mm. first session isn't even an assess it's it's an assessment from the standpoint of we're getting to know each other but it's yeah. not a physical assessment really uh no. we might foam roll a little bit we do some trx rows. uh we do some sled pushes because sleds seem to be the number one sales tool because you don't have sleds at uh the 24 hour fitness down the street or the planet fitness doesn't have sleds uh so i try to give them a little bit of taste of things that they might not have ever done or seen before and make them feel a little bit athletic so it's really it's 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 a meet and greet and it's an entire sales pitch for the first session i'm not the second session is when i start diving deep into programming and and functional movement screens so that's You're like oh, that's come on a one over on and one. look at my torque yeah. tank over here <laughs> look at my torque <laughs> tank have you ever seen one of these i bet you haven't have <laughs> you ever seen a Kaiser machine in somebody's garage? Oh, you don't know what a Kaiser is? Well, this is what it is. Uh, no, but really, like that's that's the first session. It, it's not. Um, it's not like you said. It's not this this urgent. Um, I need to make you type sore session. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking twelve sessions from now. Yeah, and then now let's
0: we'll go to twelve sessions from now, right? So. Right. Once you start to integrate them and you kind of figure out, Hey, because early on, they might not say they have injuries. And then within a couple weeks, you're like, oh, you do have some injuries, uh, or there are some things that you have trouble with, or, and then you can start to integrate them. What we do is we integrate them into the cycle of the 12 month program. And so Dan McGinley, who writes all of our adult programs does a really amazing job because he has a lot to contend with, especially in the summer, because. The adult program has to line up with the athlete program because they're going to be running concurrently. So we can't be moving equipment and changing equipment. Like they have to kind of work together. He does a great job with that. And what we do in this 12 month adult program is each month we'll have different focuses. And so we might have a month of higher volume, more hypertrophy work. We might have a month of more max strength work, where it's much lower reps and higher intensity. We'll have a work a a month of um, contrast type training, where it's you know strength work paired with power work. Right now we're doing some density training, which is great. So we're doing like twelve minutes as many rounds as you can. Uh, we'll do tempo phases. Everybody hates that. Whenever we do the isometric or eccentric months, everyone's cursing Dan. They're looking for Dan in the gym. They're saying. I, the other day, someone was like, who wrote this shitty program? They're also mad, but because they were so mad at him. but it's like they, we introduce them to different stimuluses, right? And the same thing with the conditioning, we'll do different phases of conditioning that kind of go with that, where there's a little bit more longer, extensive bike work or, uh, circuits at the end or running or sleds. Dan does a very good job, you know, writing 12 months of different focuses, um, that kind of move throughout the year. And so it provides, it provides a varied stimulus. So they keep making progress. Like we're always trying to push the load or push the volume. Um, and it keeps them entertained. So there's something different, right? Part of, you know, these people who have been coming in my adult group, some of them have been at the gym for like the, got one guy in my group has been there for (laughs) gym has been there for like longer than I've worked there. So he's been there for like 16, 17 years at this point. Like he's literally done seen it all. And so being able to keep them entertained. As well as training towards a goal uh, is really important. And so I would tell people if you're going to train a high volume of people years at a time, try to think about a year ahead and think, okay, what, what are we going to work on each month? Um, and how can those things kind of flow easily into one another um, so that the group keeps making progress?
1: Uh, I'm just writing notes over here. That's right. So now, <laughs> I. I don't deal with the same logistics that you do, yes. obviously no. being in my garage and, and training one-on-one or, or groups of one, two or three. Um, so like, I don't have that nightmare and I used to have that nightmare when I used to write the program, I used to be mm-hmm. Dan McGinley and I messed that up a lot. Um, and I didn't even have it as bad as Dan. Cause I only had one bay to work with. So I think what? 9,000 or 12,000 square feet. Whereas Dan has to do it for 36,000 square feet. So I didn't even (laughs) have it as bad as Dan did when I was at boils. Uh, so for me and, and the people I train, I and going one-on-one. I almost, I, I call it seasonal training. Um, and everybody is in a different seasons and, and seasons generally last three months, so 12 weeks. Um, and so seasonal training for me is like here it's let's get ready for ski season, right? So that's the fall. We're getting ready for ski season. Uh, Then we get into our holiday season. So that's where we're navigating the schedule and just trying to maintain almost. That's almost Mm -hmm. when people are in season here as an adult is holiday season. I'm in in my in season. Uh, And then there's let's get ready for beach season, right? That's springtime. And then summer comes and now we're in season again. So because summer and winter summer and holidays, we have a little, I always have a little bit of a drop off, whether that's down to two days a week or they're gone for weeks at a time, myself Mm -hmm. included. I, I go away. I I'm seasonal as well. So ski building for ski season and building for beach season. So spring and fall are really like when we hammer, hammer those whatever goals that we have. Um, And then athletes, so when I work with athletes, we have our off-season, which is mostly, like, rebuild and strength training. Then we have the second phase of the off-season, which is going to be power and speed. And then we have the final uh, off-season or uh, phase of off-season, which is going to be conditioning or or preparation for the sport. And then in-season, so that's just maintenance training. And I might see an athlete once or twice a week. I might not see them at all. So, I'm mostly working in seasons here, uh, whereas opposed to where you're trying to give a little bit more entertainment factor. By, I think it's like every month you have a different phase or a different season, right? So I, because I'm working one-on-one, I don't necessarily need to have as many uh, as many phases or seasons as you do. Um, but that's kind of how I think or, and, and each individual season is different. So like whatever their goals are is the next season that we'll, we'll go to, um, so that's kind of how I think and operate. So we really started with, I I wrote this down before was we really started with micro, right? So (laughs) the micro session is the, is the 60 minutes that we get you for, right? So that's the recipe. That's the what are we trying to do in those first few sessions for the first hour? Now we're going macro. So macro being like, what's a week look like? What's a month look like? What do the years look like? And then what are the mm-hmm. decades look like? Cause like you said, Jim's been there for a decade. <laughs> so how do you Longer. keep someone coming for a decade? Um, and so, yeah, so we went from micro and now we've built out a little bit of the macro.
0: Yeah. And in, in that idea about people, coming for long periods of time, I think what you need to do is identify the type of client that they are. You know, there's going to be some people who we call, you know, the check the box clients. And those are great. Mm -hmm. Those are people that pay your bills, but they don't necessarily have like a, a, a really dedicated interest in training. They just come because they probably like you. They like the gym. They like the culture. They like the people there and they know they feel better, but they're not really particularly interested in building their bench press or building a oh. huge deadlift. And this is where the disconnect with like the real hardcore powerlifter strength coach crowd is. They think like everyone is into that. They're really not. If you actually train people, uh, but they come because they might want to just feel better and do a little bit and they'll push a little bit each a little bit as they go, but they're not particularly, uh, trying to be, you know, an Adonis, as we would yeah. say, they're they just, just don't, they like Honestly, yeah, it's, 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 don't want to die
1: young. Honestly. And that's great. They know exercise is healthy for them that they should do it. Yeah. And this gets them to do it. And th- that's the person that's not going to do anything extra on their own. <laughs> no. They might and go for it, a walk or two, but they yeah. ain't going to touch a weight. And you no. thinking that they are or, or wait honestly, it's it, it's a waste of time of trying to push them or trying to get them to. You're, oh, just you're gonna likely slam just your going to turn against them the off. Wall. Yes.
0: And... Uh... So like I have a, a whole bunch of those and those are the people who just follow that adult program to a T. whatever we mm-hmm. say they do. They feel good. If I have to make adjustments around injuries, whatever, or we do, but there's very little adjustment for preference or goals, right? Because that's what they want. That's what they're paying for. Right. Whereas within that same exact group my 645 group, I have a handful of people who really like trading. Like they read about trading, they follow other Instagram accounts they want to build their lifts and that's great too and i can train these people concurrently right mm-hmm. like i got steve the barber and i got fitzy who are in the group who really love training and i'll be like hey you know what we're gonna trap our deadlift and we're gonna each week we're like trying to build our trap bar and like steve particularly in a bench he'll come in on the weekends i bench press with him today and he wants to build that and so we sub those things in and like you said it's not like a whole new program when the rest of the group is doing like alternating incline dumbbell bench, which is great for them. Steve's like, let's load up the barbell. I'm like, all right. And we're doing another bench cycle and that's fine. Right. He's, his joints move, he can tolerate the stress and that's what he wants to do. Um, And so being, being able to keep that client and develop that client long-term is identifying his goal, which is very different than the other people in the group. And because if I don't, you know, if I'm not able to progress and regress within the group for him, I might lose him and that's okay. And so I'm able to manage these different personalities, as long as I have a system that's malleable to allow me to do that. Right. Um, whereas also I have another person in the group who's like a a recreational runner, like runs a lot. And, um, with them, uh, I need to be able to, um, you know, Maybe pull back some volume in training because they're like, hey, I like I'm I'm working towards a race. My weekly volume is going way up, so I'm like, hey, we're only doing two sets today. We're gonna do more power stuff, um, and I just progress and progress there. And so as and as you work with groups more, you'll be able to be more malleable with the program as they go, and be able to still train all these people in the same sixty minutes together um, as your your ability to coach and manage and skill improves.
1: So you have the, you got the check the box people, right? hmm Who are, who are going to be the majority of the group training Definitely, types. without question. Majority. Then you got the type A. So these are your, your fitzies and the Steve, the barber who like will do stuff on the outside. They are interested in the process. They want to be part of the process. They engage in other fitness type activities in their own time. And then you've got the type double A people who are, these are, like you said, your competitive runners who you almost need to reel in (laughs) like your, your people who are training seven days a week and, but they, and they want to crush themselves in every group class. So there's, there's a, there's a handful. And I'm going to say that there's like in group training that probably 60% of your people are going to be this check the box type people. You're going to have your 20% of your type A's. Who, I mean, that's really your ideal, like bread and butter. These are the people that you can, uh, they're almost like us a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot like us. And they're really easy to train and work with because they're not going to overdo it, but they also want to be a part of the process. And then you got your type, your 20% who are double A type double A who are going to be like, you're going to have to be constantly reeling them in to avoid injury and to, uh, not ruin like the gains or the benefits that they're getting from strength training, because they're trying to do too much.
0: Yeah. The way I see it is we have, like you said, your check the box types, the overwhelming majority you have people who are very training focused, like their number one concern is lifting weights, right? That's the type of client that you love to have as a strength coach and a like personal trainer. And I think that's the ideal avatar that like. the the meathead thinks exists, but they're really not the majority or the, we are, we are
1: former meatheads. So exactly. That's probably why we, and right. that's why we enjoy working with them the most. And then there's the
0: person (laughs) who has an interest in physical activity outside of the gym, your runners, your diehard golfers, your cyclists. Training is just a means to an end, right? So those are like your three groups. They don't really care about what you do, They, as long as it makes them better at the thing they care about. And so right. I'll have in a group, I have those three kind of personalities, right? Like Steve and Fitzy just want to get jacked. <laughs> and uh, then I have like a guy like Matt, who's a cyclist, like he really just wants right. to be great at cycling. And he's a great right. lifter, a great athlete, but everything we do is like, it's not about the most volume possible. It's not about the most load possible. How do we make you a better cyclist? And then there's the rest of people just kind of go along their way, right? And so you have to be able to manage those three people. And again, if you have a system, I'll tell you, we do it every day. You did it for years, um, managing all these different kind of personalities and focuses. And so I think it all comes back to what we said before. If you have a scalable system and you write a starting program, you're going to be, as you get more skillful at communicating and managing your energy in a group you'll be able to manage these kind of different personality groups over the course of that 60 minutes and over the course of their entire training life with you as well.
1: I think this would be a really good, um, perform better talk for you is training the three different types of, you got the check the box, you got the, you got the people who just want to get better at lifting. And then you got the people who want to get bet who lift to get better at something else.
0: That's a really good. Uh, I, I like that. Yeah. See, look yeah. at that. I'll give you credit next. Look year. at that.
1: Yeah, I invented it. I'll,
0: I'll <laughs> say at the start. I'll say this is my presentation. Say training the three different clients in a group setting. Credit to Brendan Rier, Um, He taught me everything I know.
1: <laughs>
0: I was pretty oh, yeah. jealous seeing the Perform Better in Orlando <laughs> this weekend.
1: Um, I was but... too. I I was watching a bunch of the Perform Better filmed a bunch of the speakers asking them why or what it felt like to be back at mm-hmm. the summit. So I can't wait to go back in a month.
0: Oh, you're going to Chicago. In. Orlando is I'll like in kind of selfishly my favorite. Cause it's the first one of the year and it's just a great setup down there with the pool and the pool setup. bar and
1: yeah, the, you don't need the, everything leave. down there no, and everything's great. across it's the like...
0: street. Yeah. Um, but I'll see you in Providence, uh, for all, yeah. not you, I'll see everybody else.
1: Yeah, no. I'll see everybody else in Chicago, and thankfully, I won't see you. So, (laughs) Um, okay. So, we discussed group size. We discussed micro and macro. um, We discussed the three different personality types. Um, Now, what was the the final part of his question? Remind me. It was about how (laughs) how you convince these people. to how to, be... kind
0: of He kind of asked about like, how do you create clients who are really great, like long-term clients? And we kind of touched on right. that a little bit. Um, but I think like kind of what sometimes people identify as like a great client is someone who really wants to train or is really dedicated. And you have to understand that a lot of that is intrinsic to the individual, right? Like you said, right. a great client to me could be the check the box type. We have plenty of those people who you know just want yeah. to be healthy and they've been coming they keep the gym open I, like you said that's the majority they come three days a week um they you look at them and you're not you wouldn't look at them on the street and be like that person's jacked and fit but they're healthy and they come consistently to take care of themselves right again be being a great client doesn't mean you're really you're like really have really low body fat or really strong it okay. means you're healthy and you come consistently and you're part of the gym culture and so the way to create great adult athletes, right? adult clients yeah. Um, is and really from a business standpoint, I think is uh, more importantly, is one developing great relationships with them Two, incorporating them and in finding people that fit into your gym culture. Uh, if you have a strong palpable gym culture, the people who don't fit will leave, right? And that's good for you and good for them. Um, three, buying into their goals, because they're probably not going to be the same as yours. Again, the, a great client, a diehard client who's going to come consistently might not care about the same things as you, but they don't have to. That's yeah. why they're a client. Right. Um, and the number four, you need to keep pushing them, even if they're like a you know check the box type, someone who just wants to come consistently, you're still going to move them along as they go. And I think if you can do those four things, then you'll have someone who one is a great patron of your business, is a part of the culture there, and it's going to be a part of your business for a long time. And most importantly, they'll be healthy for it. Right. Right.
1: I mean, from a coaching perspective, Mm -hmm. the as you said, I don't want people to think that after this discussion that we only want to work with the people who who lift like that, like, again, (laughs) that's that's 20 percent of our our people. We wouldn't we wouldn't be good trainers and we wouldn't be in business for very long if we chose to only work with those people. Uh, what I love about working with those people is that uh, there's the there's like this working out or this fitness or lifting connection, right? Mm-hmm. What I love about working with people who want to check the box is we have a different connection. Like uh, that's the person I can talk about. Like, hey, what did you do this weekend? Like, did, yeah. that's the person I can go drink a beer with. Like, I love working with check the box people because it's just about like I, I'm just here to enjoy myself and as much as I can because I hate fitness but I'm here <laughs> and I know I need to be here and I enjoy being around you and the rest of the group I just don't enjoy fitness and I can appreciate that because yeah. fitness sometimes is a pain in the ass <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you got to do it so and then like working with the type double a people I don't want people to think like that like I don't want to work with those people are like they're bad people no I love working with those people because there's like there's an actual like goal and there's a result that like we can see like your wattage got better on the bike like oh my god like that's awesome like that's so cool and then like you placed third in an event in an event that you were in last last year Mm -hmm. right like so each each different subset of personality types that you work with just allows for uh, a different relationship to build, but you can build a relationship with all three of those groups a 100% of those people and they can be a part of your culture and system in just their own unique way. Uh, just don't write them an individual unique program because <laughs> yeah. that's a lot. It's a lot of work for little return. So you make <laughs> one large or one, session one program and then navigate everybody from each individual exercise and i mean i still do this with my groups of three and and my one-on-one clients i can be a little more specific but i still for the majority of the time am using my progressions and regressions it's just i have a better place to start uh, based off of my assessment with a, a one-on-one individual. Whereas in a group session, you're kind of stuck with wherever the group is beginning. So, uh, but that's not to say that I don't use these systems. I use them every day. Well, the truth is like,
0: if you have a universal philosophy and principles that you believe in, all the programs should look pretty similar anyways. They shouldn't look that much different, whether you're working right. with someone who's just there to work out you know, and, and feel a little bit better, someone who really cares about lifting weights, or someone who's training for a sport. If you have a universal belief system, the program should be fairly similar. They might be at different volumes or intensities or slightly different exercise selections, but by and large, you should be able to put them all next to each other and be like, these don't look too much different. And so save yourself a lot of time and energy um, and start in the same place and individualize after, as opposed to trying trying to individualize beforehand because you're going to be pulling your hair out. Yeah. You know, Take the CFOC. Um, exactly. <laughs> that's, what that's what we're here for. Um, uh-huh. It's worked pretty well for us. So um, I think we covered that question pretty adequately. It was pretty good. And you gave me a perform better topic out of it. So, you know, I'll, I'll work on that this year.
1: There you go. I actually... I made something similar years ago about. Oh, here we go. Here types, we go. But not as eloquent as <laughs> what you because I I like I said type A type AA, A yours yeah. is better go with your go with your I invented it though so make you're sure the, you're you you're the you're the
0: resident inventor um, you're a regular old <laughs> Thomas Edison as I've always said
1: no Nikola um, Tesla. No, there you go. The crazy guy, the real inventor. Um, Edison right. just stole everything. All right, let's take our book
0: recommendations for the night. All right, would you? Who you want to go first? You want me to go
1: first? Yeah, I got. I got it. Uh, I, I'm going with "Never Split the Difference" by Chris Voss. And you want to talk about navigating multiple relationships? Uh, this is the book for you. Uh, I love. You mean
0: if you're like a, uh, you're like a
1: multiple romantic relationships. No, 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 no. <laughs> I meant multiple training relationships. But training oh, okay. relationships, they can get romantic. So, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> no, the uh, when you're navigating a large group of people and a large group of personalities, you need to be a chameleon uh, with your relationship and your communication style. Uh, Chris Voss was a, uh, actually he was a hostage negotiator for the FBI, but his principles and his examples are, well, the stories, just the, the stories mm-hmm. themselves are phenomenal. Like I could just read the book and listen to the stories, but his principles and his, the actionable items in it are, are really, really good. Uh, he takes you through like negotiating your salary, He takes you through uh, persuasion. So, like, right. So, we're always trying to persuade our clients to do something they don't necessarily want to do or give us money they don't necessarily want to give us. Um, So, we are negotiating and persuading daily. So, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. He also has a master's class that uh, Jenny and I watched, which was very, very good. So, he has an entire video series on master's class uh, about the book. But, I've read the book twice, um, and I usually go back and read the book when, for example, when I know I have a negotiation coming up mm-hmm. um, or something like that, I'll go back to those chapters and, and reread no. them. So Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. My dad recommended
0: that book to me, um, and then I read oh, did it right he? after. Yeah. Did he, yeah. In, did he
1: invent it too? Yeah.
0: He, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wrote it. He's actually Chris Voss. That's his uh, pen name. Um, uh, yeah, but that's a very valuable book and you're right. Just the stories alone, like are really interesting to listen to. Um, it's not, it's, you would think like kind of a communication or negotiation book might be boring, but it's not good read. Um, uh, completely unrelated. You and I, I like that. We always have completely unrelated topics and books. Um, so my book, um, this is very good. Again, something that might seem boring, how we learn to move. Um, by Rob Gray, a revolution, in the way we coach and practice sports skills is very good. Um, okay. and so Rob Gray is a PhD professor at Arizona State University. Um, and he teaches like motor skill development and learning. And so it talks about how, like the traditional way that we teach people how to learn how they learn to do things like really, uh, blocked practice, right? Like where you practice the same skill over and over and over, and there's lots of cones and guardrails. Um, isn't the best way to master a skill or develop creativity around a skill. Um, and how the research shows that moving towards things like random practice, right. As we know, um, are a more valuable way to learn a skill reliably, um, and provide creativity in that. And it's just really well written for a motor learning book is, <laughs> Uh, it could be very boring, uh, but he does a very good job of writing it in a way that's interesting. Also in a way that's practical, very similar how I talked about that book force, um, by Dan Cleaver recently. It's, it's very applicable to people who work in either sports skills, sports development, coaching, or sports performance coaching. Um, very interesting. Um, and it just helps you think about either the way you design practices, the way you design skill development sessions, or the way you teach exercise. Um, to make it more efficient, obviously more enjoyable also for kids, right? Kids don't want to run around the same cone drill 20 times in a row. They want to do things with their friends and help them develop those skills. Um, and so it's, uh, it, it's very, very good book. And it's, again, a fast read. I think it's, let me look at the page count. I think it's like 200 something pages, 220 pages or something like that. So, uh, you rip through it pretty quick. Awesome. Yeah,
1: I'm highly get. recommended that, that book the one that you just showed in the last one that you showed look pretty yeah look pretty simple and then very similar yeah oh there they are yeah i thought it yeah, was i, I thought it was the right same there. author there we go yeah Horse very and similar uh,
0: how we learn to move yeah both very good i would highly recommend both of them. um i think if you're someone getting into the field and uh, you're kind of bored by a traditional textbook approach about motor learning or biomechanics, those are really good reads that are very practical-based um, for people to, to take on. Awesome.
1: All right, well, yeah. what do we got coming up? Level 2s, still got a lot of Level 2s. Well, yeah.
0: yeah, we have a Level 2 in New York City, our first-ever Level 2 in New York City coming this weekend. Um, then we have, after that, the next one, I believe, is, is Chicago.
1: Yeah. Oh, no. Uber, no, Uber goes after.
0: Yep. yep. And then uh, we have a bunch of events. We have Cincinnati level one, New York level one, uh, Utah level one. Uh, we have a ton of events coming up. Go to certified um, <laughs> and uh, But then also uh, we have some CFSC courses coming out pretty soon. Um, You know, we're gonna be changing kind of our recertification, uh, format and, you know, we can get into the details on that, uh, kind of more formally, uh, through the CFSC platform, but there's Mm -hmm. gonna be mini courses. Um, I just kind of been working on the finishing touches of the exams for my functional training anatomy course to go with the book. Um, I know you have, uh, some courses you're gonna be putting on there as well as the rest of our staff. So, um, if you're looking for some continuing education, whether you're a CFSC looking to recertify or you're someone from outside the CFSC community just trying to get some CEUs, those will all be available soon, right? Why don't you share what, uh, what you're putting together, Brendan?
1: Well, I have exercise checklists, which is something I produced a few years ago, but we're I'm repurposing it for this um, educational course kind of upgrade or upload that we're doing amongst the group. Um, I will also be doing practical programming, which I need to get on and start (laughs) and finish that, uh, because programming is the number one question we get, Mm -hmm. um, and, and how to do it and why we pick the sets and reps that we do. So I want to dive deeper into that and, and make that a little mini course. Um, and then another mini course I'm going to do are the, is the creating a system for culture. Um, so those will all be coming out. Exercise checklists will be launched in the fall here with everything else. And then the other two will come later. Um, but yes. I know we have communication, we have combine training, we have habit building, we have nutrition. So be on the lookout for mini courses.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And so one thing I'll note about the functional training anatomy course is I partnered with the uh, people at Muscle in Motion um, You know, they do an amazing job If you're familiar with them Their YouTube channel is unbelievable Their Instagram is unbelievable And they do these animated Anatomically drawn exercise videos Where like they put the muscles on the people Doing the exercises uh, I don't know how they do it But uh, it's pretty cool And so what they did is While I'm talking like I am now They kind of put the demonstrations Of the things I'm talking about next to me It's pretty unbelievable um, Sweet. And then also kind of Uh, comes with a bunch of reference sheets. So you understand what muscles are working, what ranges of motion we're looking for, things like that. So you can apply better exercise selection. And so they really did an unbelievable job. So I'm just kind of putting the finishing touches on that. We want to get that out soon, and then we're going to be rolling out all these other courses as we go, uh, behind them. So, uh, keep an eye out for those things. And, uh, hopefully if you attend a CFSC course, uh, over the next few months, uh, one of us will see you there or perform better
1: perform better chicago i believe it's july 16th providence august I'm what mike and i'll be in providence the last I think weekend in the august, end of august, I the last last of is... august. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep who knows july well, july 16th yep i'm july 16th you are august 26th and 7th
0: yep you betcha
1: all right all right well that's about an hour good job today Yeah, thanks for the question, Ethan. I hope we answered it.
0: Go Celtics. Have a good night.
1: See ya.